Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is the place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hey, welcome to another Shutterbug Life podcast. My name is Lynn, Linford Morton, actually, but my friends call me Lynn. And of course, since I consider you in that number, you call me Lynn as well. I'm so glad that we are beginning our week together again. This is episode 030, number 30 in our continuing uh, relationship via podcast And of course, this is a podcast for those of us photo enthusiasts, and we know who we are. We eat, sleep, and breathe photography and are interested in all kinds of topics that will help us become our best. And so I try and bring every week something along that line for us to talk about. Now, this week, I have sort of an interesting, I think, topic that is almost a follow-up from to last week's episode, Pick Yourself. And I'm going to give the flip side of the coin this week. And so that's what we will talk about. Um, and it's called, You'll Never Make Money With Your Pictures If... Dot, dot, dot. Because it's going to be if you do one of these things or if you see what's coming down the line. And if and if and... Whoa, you know, I, you know, I hopefully I encouraged you last week. This week we're gonna have a little kick in the you know where. All right, so that's what is in store in our main feature for this week. But before we get going, ah, well, let's just chat about a couple things. And this week on I think on Friday it was I was at the nine eleven memorial in New York City, which is pretty moving um, for those of us who remember that day. But I was as I was walking around inside the memorial, I saw this, this uh, lady, and I hate to call her elderly because she had so much spunk and energy, but she was trying to take pictures in there. And of course, you know, there's a no flash rule and she was struggling. And as I, I sort of saw her as I was walking by and, you know, you could tell her camera was an automatic because every time she did, tried to depress the shutter, the flash popped up. And then she would take her left hand and try and hold the flash down and take the picture with the other hand while she was holding the flash in place. But then she kept moving her hand and the flash kept popping back up. And so I saw this and I, it, you know, sort of made me chuckle. So I, and I walked by and I, I said to her, you know, if you put that camera in P mode, you will get all the benefits of automatic, but the flash won't pop up anymore. And she looks at me sort of a puzzled and, and like, what are you talking about? And I said, let me, let me show you something. And I took her, you know, I sort of took the dial in her camera and I popped over to P and I said, try it now. And she did it and the flash didn't pop up and her eyes lit up and then she was like, wow, that's so cool. How do you know that? I said, ah, I play around with this kind of stuff. So, you know, I move on and 
I, I bump into her two or three or four more times. It seems like every t- around every corner there she was, and she was just so tickled. She kept going, you're my new best friend, and, and we chatted a little more. Found out she was a pastor down in Atlanta, and, you know, of course, now she's inviting me Anytime I'm in Atlanta to give her a call and she will, you know, I always, she was, I'll treat you real nice. I'll, you know, we'll make you dinner. And, and, you know, she introduced me to her grandson and it was like we were old friends. And it was so funny how all that sort of came out of me just saying, you know, hey, use that button. And it's more, even more interesting to me because I normally never do that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm sort of interested in how you how you think of uh, about this because normally when I'm walking around and I see somebody struggling with struggling with a camera these days I just keep moving. I said you know if someone asks for help I'll, I'll you know I'll help but I don't go offering and I don't know is that a bad thing? I mean I don't know what do you do? I'd be interested in hearing how many people, when they see folks like that, stop and help them. Because, and you know, in stopping and helping, I had a sort of a good experience with someone, but I, I probably walk by so many of those kinds of opportunities because I don't typically do that kind of thing. You know, I used to do it a lot, uh, you know, when I first started teaching about five or six years ago. And do, you know, and every now and then I, I, you know, I, I see somebody who looks like they might need help. And every now and then I'll jump in. I, I, I tell the story often of I saw this couple on a date. It must have been an early date, like first, second, third date. And they're walking around and they've got this camera. And, and the guy is trying to take a picture and he's struggling. And <laughs> I see them and, I said, you know, and she's looking over his shoulder and he's struggling to figure out what to do. So I just walked over and I said, hey, you know, I teach photography. Maybe I can help you. And he was so frustrated. He just practically thrust the camera at me like here. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, it was an outdoor mall. It was night. And I thought, this guy's just handing his camera over to a random stranger just because he says he can help. And I thought that was funny. But, you know, you, you, you meet interesting people. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm asking the question. So um, in the show notes for this episode 30030, which will the bit.ly link will be bit.ly forward slash shutterbuglife030. Leave me a note. Tell me what you do when you see somebody struggling in a f- photography situation when you know the answer and you can help. Do you help or do you just, uh, you know, keep moving? I struggle with what, being helpful or just being too, you know, no one's intrusive when no one's asked. So just curious about that. Anyway, this was a good weekend. I, um, of course, we were out shooting. I I, I, led a, I led a private workshop where we did phot- portrait photography, had a lot of fun. And then we t- I taught a composition and creativity workshop, met a bunch of new friends in that one as well. Um, w- that one was also was in Washington, D.C. And uh, we, we went through just a wide range of different compositional tools and some creativity drills. And, and uh, it, it's, uh, it, we had, I had a good time with you guys. So for those of you who are now listening as first time, Members of the community, welcome again, and just had a great time shooting with you. Interestingly enough, I had three teens who were on the workshop who, um, I forget, you know, their range is like 14-ish, and, you know, we met them because I'm teaching a photo camp in Washington, D.C. for teenagers 
um, early August, and and they were wanted the mother wanted them to attend that, but they couldn't make it. So I said suggested they just come and you know do some composition with us. And so, but it's also cool because I, I don't know if any of you know teenagers in your lives, but they seem to see the world so much more creatively than I did or you know, my generation did when we were coming up, you know, I know with my, my boys, I'll take them out shooting and they will just, you know, with their iPhones, they'll just pop around and take pictures or I'll just hand them my camera and say, you know, shoot whatever you see. And they always come back with really creative looking things. And, and I don't know if this new digital native um, generation um, is just, I don't know why it better to see creatively and take those images, but they really seem to to get it much easier, at least the the composition and creative side. Anyway, enough of all that. Um, Just, you know, always interested in in hearing from you guys about what you're working on as well. And, you know, that's some of the stuff, you know, just pop into our Facebook group and, you know, share some of the pictures and some of your stories about what kinds of things you're working with. If you just go to FB dot shutterbuglife.com it'll, it'll take you straight there and uh, then i can uh, I, you know just ask to join and i'll let you in it's really that simple all right okay so enough of this chit chat let's t- let's get into our our main feature of the day So last week I brought you the good news. Pick yourself was the title. And my thesis was that now is the best time to do something significant with your photography because it's never been easier to get started. And I talked about the kind of things that that I do now, how much easier it is. And it reminded me of when I was a when I was a kid and I oh I, I couldn't have been more than ten. My dad used to produce a radio show for our church. So I remember we would go down and we would he would take this big reel-to-reel recorder and microphone and all kinds of stuff and we'd meet the pastor in his office and we'd try and soundproof it and and then he would you know record the pastor, you know, you know giving his message and we'd have to, you know, literally splice in any changes we wanted to make. And then he would take those two reels down to the radio station and give it to them. And then they would broadcast it so that, you know, you could hear it around the city and and compare compare or contrast to that with today where I'm talking to you and you could be anywhere in the world. And all I need to make this broadcast work is a microphone and my iPad and an app. And literally, this is all I'm. This is what I'm using to record right now, and I record from anywhere. I've recorded, the, you know, these podcasts from New Orleans. I've recorded them in New York. I've recorded them in Washington D.C. I've recorded them in New Jersey. Wherever I am, I just, you know, if I got some, if I have some quiet space and access to the an internet signal, boom, I can share with you wherever you are in the world. And it's so much easier now than the days when I, you know, trudged along behind my dad down to the radio station and we asked for permission to put our message on the air. And so now it's easier than ever for you to do something significant, to share your talent and your your art with the world. Now it's easier, 
easier than ever for you to use your platform to build something significant, to start that business and to and to show the world, you know, your vision and what you can do. But the flip side of the coin is because it's never been easier, it's never been more challenging. And because it's so easy and because anyone can do it, almost everyone is doing it. And so I'm going to say, and with the advances in technology, it's going to get even worse. If you look at changes in other industries, it might even forecast the kind of of disruption that we might expect in in our industry in photography. For instance, if you if you think about designers, you know, it, once upon a time, if you were des- if if you wanted uh, to start a business, you had to hire a designer to design your business cards and your brochure and your website and all the other things you would need for your marketing collateral. But today, you don't. So I haven't, you know, I have apps that'll do most of that for me, right? Between an app called Canva, which I can use to to easily design just about anything, Word Swag, which will help me um, you know, create word and text so that it looks professionally designed and over, which will let me, you know, type on any image and, and maker, which will do, you know, a lot of these products between all these, I can, I can look like a pro and never once talk to a designer. And many times I don't, it's like the designers that used to get the calls don't anymore because technology has replaced a lot of them. And, and it gets even worse because the the ones who are working are now subject to to market forces like this uh, 99 designs. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of this one. 99 designs is a service that that that, you know, let's say I wanted to design my website and I wanted I, I decided, you know what? I really want a designer to do it. I don't want to use any of these automated systems. I could go to 99designs. I could submit my re- my request and up to 99 designers will do the work. I mean, fully design it for me. And then I look at all 99. I pick the one I like and I make some more changes and then I pay for it. Which sounds really cool to the people who are using that service. But on the flip side, for us creatives, there are 98 other designers who have just done all that work for free and who will get nothing else from it. And they'll continue to do that just for an opportunity to be, you know, to, to sell their work. And boy, what a horrible business model that is for a designer. But technology has made it so that it's tough, so tough for them to find work that people are actually out there doing this. They're doing spec work for free in hopes that someone will choose them. And it's not just the creatives. You all know about Uber, right? This is the company that's just just taken the the taxi industry and just turned it on its ear. Once upon a time, if you wanted to to get a ride somewhere, you'd have to go out and you'd have to hail a taxi or maybe even try and call one and hope they'd show up. Today, with my whip out my Uber app. I click a button, I see where the driver is, I see I track the driver as the driver arrives, I take my ride, I get out, the, the payment is all automatically made, tip and all. I've not I don't have to exchange any cash. It's it's the ultimate convenience.
convenience. And because of it now, you know, taxi industry is like running scared. There was a big, there's an article that in, in New York City, the 13,000 cabs that used to own the streets have now been swamped by 19,000 Uber drivers. And, and as a result, there are now 100,000 more Uber riders every month. But the real result of all this is now there are 22 bankrupt taxi companies. Taxi companies are now going out of business overnight. And they tried to fight back by having, you know, Mayor de Blasio put a halt to Uber's growth. And Uber is now just so popular and so powerful that they brushed that back. They fought City Hall and won. And so now they continue to roam the streets. And so these are just three examples of of what used to be and how it isn't anymore. And I'm going to say that, you know what, that day is coming for us, too. That's right, for us photographers, because it's so easy now. And, and this is what preceded, I guess, a lot of the change in, in the other industries where you see rapid changes. We're at the point now where the cost to entry is just plummeted and so now it's so easy for anyone to buy a camera and become a photographer that now it's being swarmed i mean once upon a time it was tough to get work on craigslist right but now there's not even work there it's funny i was sitting in uh in an a starbucks and there was a bride to be chatting about you know her coming wedding and i i had to ask i said hey have you considered a photographer yet and you know i didn't even want the work i just want to know how she was thinking about it and she said nope i'm not going to hire a photographer for my engagement shoot i just bought a real nice camera and i'm going to give it to my cousin and tell her exactly how i want the pictures (laughs) and so this is what a lot of photographers and now are now competing against and and i'm going to argue that as as technology continues to move There's probably a disruption on the horizon that will make it even worse for us. Yeah. Have I depressed you yet? I mean, are you thoroughly depressed yet? So why am I telling you all this? Because we, you know, people are fretting about not being able to make money. And even if you don't want to, you know, take your photography and and, and start a whole business out of it, sometimes you just want to make a little money. I mean, I, I saw, I really started thinking about this when I saw a, a, a LinkedIn question in one of the LinkedIn photography groups I'm in. And the guy said, you know, I'm trying to make money in 500pics.com and I just can't make any money. Has anybody had any success there? And of course, you know, they're flooded with responses and everyone's saying, nope, you can't make any money there. And everyone had two cents. And, you know, I th- and as I thought about how I might respond to him, it, it reminded me of an article, a blog post I wrote maybe one or two years ago says, you know, you'll never make money with your pictures if you do one of these things. And I listed seven things that, you know, if you do, if you don't do one of these, if you don't do these things, you're going to have a hard time making money and making money consistently. And he had done about three of them wrong. And, and I think that's probably why he was struggling and why, you know, a lot of us are struggling, you know. And so, you know, how do I know this? I mean, hey, look, I, I spent a career in marketing and public relations trying to, you know, sell big company products and services and also 
uh, for the for the federal government as well. And then I've been an entrepreneur for the five years. I think I've made every mistake myself at some point. And so, you know, in making them, I've studied also what the successful people are doing. And you will find their common themes. If you want to be successful in photography or in any business, you've got to do these things. And so it's a good time to go back and look at the list again and say, you know, if you really wanted to do this thing right, think about these things and how you might um, and make sure you're not making any of these mistakes. Because if you're frustrated because it's not happening the way you want it to, you can probably trace it to one of these. All right. So let's run through them pretty quickly. The first one is, you know, you'll never make money or serious money if you don't have a niche or a focus. And, and yeah, there'll be times when you'll be able to make money without it. But you will find that the people who are really crushing it usually have some really uh, um, specialized niche or focus. And, and, and the thinking there is, you know, if you're competing against everybody, you probably won't attract anybody. And the only way to to uh, you know protect yourself against the incursion of all the you know GWCs, which is guy with camera or gal with camera, is to is to find a niche where you have gone so deep that you become synonymous with that niche. And it could be you know just about anything. You know, I saw I, I saw an example. I heard an example of that. I was listening to a podcast um, this week in photo, the wedding edition. And they were interviewing a photographer who specialized in same-sex marriages, and so it, it's it's so it was interesting because you know the hosts of the podcast were wedding photographers themselves, and so before they brought on the guest who was specialized in same-sex marriages, they you know they went around and talked you know amongst themselves and said you know have you photographed a same-sex wedding and they all you know each of them said yeah I've done one or two and they said you see any difference and the guys would say no 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 they're all the same it's just two people in love and if you can if you're a good photographer you can make it work right because you know there is no difference and so they went they took turns saying there was no difference and I, and I got what they were trying to do they were trying to you know maybe establish that they were tolerant people but, but by the same token they exposed the difference and so when the photographer who was their guest came on he could barely hold himself back to go there are tons of differences and you know i've done 80 of these weddings and i get them all because i understand these differences and he went on to talk about if there are two men side by side and they're both wearing black how the the sea of black can melt together so you've got to light that correctly so you can separate the two and if if you are posing people you want to use gender neutral posing to, and he he went through just this long list of things that you might want to do differently he talked about how your website has to how the wording you read for, in, on your website, you can have things that will just, you know, to a same-sex couple just go, will just say to them that you have no experience in that community. And so you have to think, you know, a same-sex couple is interviewing photographers and one of these guys who will come in the room and say, all, all, all couples are the same. I'm a great photographer. Look at this great work and hire me. And then, you know, this other guy shows up and goes, I understand. I understand what you're looking for. I understand how you think. 
I understand I'm a part of your community. And it becomes a no brainer then for the couple to decide which one they go with. And, and that's just one example of how a niche serves you, because you will understand the thinking of of that um, potential client so much better than anyone else who shows up because you understand that niche, that it makes it a no brainer for them to hire you or to pick you. And so you want to think about, you know, what what niche can I can I choose? And sometimes it's as simple as saying, you know, what other domain knowledge do I have? Like, what other expertise do I have and what other industry like what else have you done in, a, in another life that might also serve you? Right. For instance, you know. I was a PR and marketing guy for a long time, and so I chose that as my niche because I know that if I ever show up and talk to someone who is in a PR position, I know exactly the triggers um, that they look for. I, I know exactly, and if you just show up and you wanna take pictures, that's fine, but I'm gonna say to them, you know when I sat there and I hired a photographer, I couldn't use 80% of the pictures that person brought back to me. And here's why. And I'm gonna list all the things that frustrated me about it. And every time I've done that, it's resonated with them. They're like, yeah, that's right. And even if they hadn't realized they had those issues, hearing it just brought that to the fore. And and then it further established me as so, you know a no-brainer of someone who understands them better than anybody else they could have hired. It makes it very easy if you have a niche or a focus. Number two is you have to solve a problem. And, and this, of course, is the, a fa- the foundation to all businesses. You know, what problem can you solve? And what problem can you solve that someone's willing to pay for? If you ever watched Shark Tank, and you, by now you know I'm a big fan of that show, I mean, that's the premise of every pitch that uh, the entrepreneur com- uses to get funding from one of the, the shark investors. They come on, and they talk about the problem they found, and they talk about how they built a business to address it. And so your photography is no different. You have to think about it not just as delivering pictures, but solving problems. You know, and it can be as simple as as knowing that your client is just not looking for photos for if you're a business client for social media platforms, you know, they're looking for ways to attract new clients and build their business and 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 and, and they're looking for you know, ways to do that easy and conveniently. And so you've got to think about, you know, how you solve that problem for them more so than saying, you know, I give you eight five by sevens, you know, they don't care about eight five by sevens. It's so funny. I was, you know, talking to a potential client about this and, and she was complaining how she hired a photographer to take pictures for her Facebook, um, her Facebook page, and the photographer delivered the pictures in in portrait format, which and everyone you know knows that uh, the Facebook banner is horizontal, and so you've got to you know know what you're shooting for and be able to talk about how you solve the problem better than anyone else, because if you're just going to point a camera and shoot and not think about the end results and the problem you're going to solve, um, you make it tough to to sustain yourself as a business, you know. Um, 
the for weddings you know the, the a bride wants to remember every detail they spend so much time and money planning it and it goes by without them even noticing and so for them you're helping them remember the moment and you know this is a, a frequent refrain in in wedding photographers um uh, marketing material but but it's true that's what they're looking for and so you know, she wants to she wants to be able to to see and remember that day and share it with her daughter in twenty years and remember how handsome her husband looked on that day. And you've got to think about all those things. And so, think about the problem you will solve for them, and why why is it that they're looking for for photographs and and what are they going to do with them and what what impact will it have? I always, you know, when I when I talk with clients about preparing. Um, for business, I always say, you know, what is the impact? If if your pictures are successful in the way that they need them to be, how does that impact their their lives and their business or whatever it is they're looking for? You know, is it you know it allows them to you know attract and retain new employees? It allows them to find new business. It allows them to compete now in in a new marketplace. I mean, you want to think about the bigger picture and 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 position yourself that way number three is you have to have a system for attracting your best client and then converting them into new customers and the problem with a lot of new businesses is this is kind of a haphazard thing right we're just sort of out there throwing things around that we don't know and you'll find the successful businesses know the numbers and and they do the work by backing out of the numbers. If you want to make five thousand dollars this month, and you know you are going to sell a thousand dollar weddings, then you know you have to sell five of them. And so, if you know that you know I'm going to send out a hundred, um, you know, send out a, a mark brochure, marketing material, or email to a hundred people, and of that, twenty will open it, and of that. You know, 10 will respond and of that, you know, I'll be able to book five. Then, you know, I need a hundred. I need to get in front of a hundred people to book five. And then it becomes about the numbers, right? Jim Rohn, who's the noted author and business motivator, who always says success is in the numbers. He goes, if I know I have to see a hundred people to get five, then it's easy for me because a pattern will repeat itself. And if I, if I see 200 people, I likely get 10. And so once I know the number, then it becomes a numbers game. And he jokes that I would tell people, I need to talk to 10 people this week to get three sales. And I don't care if you're one of the seven or one of the three, I just need to get to talk to 10 people. And he says that would get a laugh, but it's true, right? He knows that if he talks to 10, he's likely to get three. And then the other way to do is now improve your process so that you can improve your conversion rate and see more. But but the important thing there is you have to know how many people you're trying to get in front of. You have to know what you, you know, what you are doing to bring them in, to book them, and to convert them. Uh, you have a sales, you know, sales process, if you will, and so that you can turn them predictably and reliably into customers. Okay. Number four is you don't know what makes you awesome. So at some point, the question whether it's ex- explicit or implicit or just you know, something they think is, you know, why you? You know, why do I pick you? And so you have to be prepared to answer that. What makes you awesome? Tell your story and your background in a way that stands out. 
in the sea of people with cameras. You've got to tell your story in a compelling way that will grab someone's attention. Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, suggests that companies like Apple, um, who are perennially doing leaders in their fields do so because they start, they tell stories about the why and, and, and that's how they've organized their whole businesses. When when Steve Jobs talked about think different, it was not just a slogan, it was sort of a rallying cry that, you know, this is w- how we are different from everyone else because we are going to approach this in a, in a totally different way. And so he what makes you different and what makes you awesome and what makes someone say, yeah, I like her. I want to work with her or I like the way he thinks. I want to, I want to work with him. And, and many times it's as simple as the story. And, and I shared the video that, that, that couple photographer and they got a lot of, you know, they got featured a lot because they had just this really cool about us video and they were a husband and wife wedding photographer team. And, you know, they, they they recorded this video that talked about their own relationship and their own courtship and their own love and how they made that work. And, you know, and the closing line is like, you know, we can photograph you because we know love and we have loved and we've been loved. And it's really a sappy but um, heart-tugging moment. And I think for the right bride, it could be effective. So you, you want to know what makes you awesome or what makes you different or what should make you stand out. What makes what will make me remember you? And at a more functional, tactical level, when you're choosing a name, you want to choose a name that tells me exactly what you do. And in some cases, where you do it, right? And then, and, 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 you know, this is a ve- this is an obvious mistake to make. Sometimes we want to get cute names, you know, cutesy names. Where we 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 take a concept and we spell it differently, and we do all these cutesy things because we think it's clever. And you know, clever don't sell unless you have a lot of money. Uh, my I remember my sister told me this, you know, a long time ago because she's a marketing person too, and she said. She goes, you know, I, you need to pick a name that says exactly what you do so that I don't have to wonder as a potential customer. If you don't have a lot of money to advertise and, and educate everyone of your potential clients as to what that name means and who you are and what you do, then the next easiest way to do that is to pick a name that just tells me right away so I don't have to spend money educating you. When it's the minute you see the name, you'll know, oh, Lynn is a you know, a business photographer, a branding photographer, or a wedding photographer. And then the other thing you might, you do is, is, you know, make it by, make it also about your location, you know, a branding photographer in Washington, D.C., if, 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 if you're that specific. And the, the other benefit for this is it helps you not just for potential clients when they see your name to know who you are and what you do immediately to know if they should pay attention, but it also communicates with the Google robots so that when the searchers are looking for um, the service that you potentially offer, they know exactly, Google knows to return you as one of the results because when people, you know, as when you search or anyone searches for a potential service in Google, you don't search for for cute names. You put in search terms that relate to the problem you're trying to solve. And so the closer you are to having those words in your name and on your website, then the more likely you are to be successful there.
All right. So that is, you know, pick a name that says exactly what you do. And then the other one is you've got to create products that your clients want. You know, if, if you take pictures, again, this goes back to the one of the earlier uh, things. If, is your product really pictures, you know? And so you want to start packaging um, your your product in a way that is um, uh, um, in line with what with with what your client really wants. And and of course, the easiest way to find out is to ask them. You know, what exactly are you looking for before you start creating products? You know, what a lot of business uh, experts will suggest you do is is you know, talk to some of your potential clients and find out where their pain points are and find out what keeps them up at night. Find out where they've been frustrated when they've had to buy images before if you were an event photographer. Find out, you know, what is it that the organizer just really hated about every other photographer that came by and then go out and and solve that problem and package it in a way that would be... um, um, seductive for them, if you understand what I'm saying. The other thing is you need a pricing system they understand. And, 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 you know, it's, it's often we don't want to telegraph the way our pricing and a lot of people won't actually post pricing. And, but if you do post it, you want it to be very clear exactly what you are delivering and what they are getting, because I mean, the worst thing you can do is post it and then confuse them because the old saying is a confused mind always says no. And I don't know how many times I've gone, I'm looking for a service and I see a button that says pricing and I click on it and I don't understand what what exactly they're offering. And so you want to make crystal clear what you do, what you deliver and what they will pay because many shoppers won't bother to ask you to clarify. Um, and then it, let's make this closer to photography. You'll never make money if you can't consistently produce great images. I remember I interviewed a photographer in New Orleans uh, several years ago, um, and he was talking. He was a fine art photographer, photographed pictures around New Orleans, and he said he did, you know, a lot of post production work because he did want it to look like if he's when his work was in the gallery, he didn't want someone a woman to come down for instance and look at the image and say she she likes it and their husband said i could shoot that for you over lunch and go back with his camera and take the same picture he said he wants it to be something so different that that you know neither one of the couple can think to themselves i can take that myself and so you want to also be able to consistently produce images and the kind of images that images again remember everyone has a camera that they that they now think uh, will be worth paying for. And, and and more so than that, when I say consistently produce images, you have to understand that when you are shooting, you never, ever have a, a, an ultimate situation. The lighting is always awful where they want to take the picture. The location is always going to be cramped. The background is going to be cluttered. And then your client's going to want to cover for the Facebook page there. And oh, by the way, you have an hour. And 30 minutes later, they're going to come back to check on you to see how you're doing. And if you're looking like you're flustered, 30 minutes later, boy, they they get really nervous, right? And so if they come back and you're just methodically plugging away, then they think, okay, good, this is money well spent. Or if they've hired you to take portraits of them, 
and and you look like you're like you just um, flustered, then of course, then that's even worse because their nervousness will show in their faces when you take their images. So you want to be able to, no matter where you are and what kind of situation you're in, be able to consistently take great images. You've got an hour and in in all the tools in your camera bag, make it work. And you've got to be able to, to make it work um, without any excuses because the client never wants excuses. They don't care how many crappy conditions they put you in. They still want amazing pictures. Number nine is you don't have a compelling portfolio. You've got to show the kind of work you want to attract. And, and so if you want to attract more weddings, you've got to show more weddings on your portfolio. And you don't want to dilute it with too many other things. You want to, going back to the whole niche conversation, you want to show that you can go deep in whatever kind of um um images you want to continue to attract. And so Think about the kind of work you want to do and the kind of client you're going to enjoy working for most. And you're going to want to fill up your your portfolio with compelling images that show them that so they can so they can anticipate what they'll get from you should they hire you. And number 10 and the final one is you aren't going to make money if you're only selling pictures. And I think I've been sort of hinting at this throughout the entire list because sure you can make money selling photos, but as we talked about some of the other industries where creatives have been nudged out, you know, the designers and the, and the writers and, and, and even the photographers, what you're finding is the people who are successful are finding ways to move themselves up the food chain, meaning you are finding ways to to get in there and strategize with the client before they need before they need images about how they plan to use them. Um, what does success look like? And then you want to you want to sort of collaborate with them in, in a more of a consultative fashion to come up with the solution so that they're not just saying here go do this you are working together and as long as you are now in a on a more strategic level it's 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 you it's easier for you to show your value because you're now going in and you know we t- I, I it's the kind of thing like you go in and an, an event photographer, for instance, and someone is planning an event and they want a photographer. Now, they can plan the entire event and bring you in at the last minute and say, take pictures. Or if you have the opportunity to get in and help and shape it and say, you know, you will uh, be able to advertise this better next year if we get great images out of this. And so here are the areas you're going to need better lighting. And here's how we can work the flow so that you can uh, come away with great images of the people who are important to um, to you. And, and here's how we can structure things. And so now you're in a more consultative um, role with them and helping them to plan their final product as well as delivered. And it gives you the opportunity to set yourself up to create the best situation for your photos and as well as not only that, but they see you more as a trusted partner than just, you know, uh, some fool with a camera who they can replace, you know, fairly easily. All right. So y- y- you you got to think beyond pictures and think about more strategically, like, how do I become 
um, more of a partner in this process. So, so, so look at these things, all ten of them. I'll have a list of them on on the show notes page, and and sort of think about them. If you are in, if you are thinking about how might I make a few dollars or make a career or start a business selling pictures, you want to think through these. And this is the kind of typical things you'd think through anyway if you were going to put together a really thoughtful business plan. But you want to think through these things because it will become even more important, as I said before, going forward, that you think through these things and that you're very strategic about your answers because as hard as it might be, to, to make money today, it's going to be even worse tomorrow. And the only way to make sure that you are on the right side of that curve is to, is to think through the way you structure your photography business or the way you, or your approach to making money with pictures. All right. So that's it. That's enough to think about for today. I, I hope I didn't depress you too much, but I hope in the, the 10 questions and the, the, the 10 areas I, I, you know, I sort of laid out to think about, you found ways to think about um, energizing the way you might look at making money with your photographs. Because, you know, in, in every challenge, there's always an opportunity. And so while there are challenges ahead, there are also opportunities there, but we have to be willing to think about them before they arrive. And I'd like to think a lot of it has arrived now. So think about that if that's one of your goals, if you intend to try and make money, and hopefully you can be successful. Now, now sort of share some of your comments. Let me know, you know what you think about that. If I left out anything, well, I mean, this wasn't an exhaustive list, but, you know, share some of your experiences with some of the challenges you've had when you've tried to make money with your photography and how you might have overcome them. Always interested in hearing what your experiences are like. All right. Well, that's it for this episode number 30. And thank you so much for sticking around. Um, had a ball and I hope you did too. As we you know, continue to talk about all kinds of photography related issues. Hey, if you love this, if you like this, and if you love this, then, you know, come along and, and, and join me every weekend, every and begin every week with the Photography Life Podcast. You can go to Shutterbug Life, Shutterbug Life Podcast, sorry. You, you can go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe and Drop your name and email there, and you'll get an email from me every time um, that launches. It also includes the Ask Lynn segments, which is where I answer your photography-related questions. Last week, I, sh- I shared a, um, a a post on a guide on macro photography, and then I have, I think, one coming up this week as well. And and so you'll get all that. And, and if But if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, you can find the podcast there also. You can go directly to it on iTunes at itunes.shutterbuglife.com. And while you're there, if you leave a review, that'd be awesome as well. Um, and then if you are in Stitcher, then you can search for it there and do the same thing. And then I'd love if you share it with a friend, if you know another photographer who, who eats and breathes and sleeps and loves this stuff like we do, and you think he'll enjoy it, then, in, you know, 
bring that friend along and introduce them to us and love to have and share our photography with them. All right. So if you are in Washington, D.C., of course, you can learn with me. And if not, then you can always reach me online, Lynn at shutterbuglife.com, or just leave your comments in in this episode's show notes at bit.ly forward slash shutterbuglife030. All right. So thank you so much again. I'm so glad you joined us and I'm looking forward to joining you again next week. And until then, enjoy your shutterbug life. Take care.